Welcome to the High Pass Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Blackburn. And this week we have singer, songwriter, producer, and live sound engineer, Kayla Blackburn. Kayla, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, This is being recorded just before the new year, so definitely looking forward to taking some time off and uh, getting things started again uh, next year. Amazing. So uh, first off, I just want to like clear the air here. We are not related. We are not related. (laughs) We are not related. It's a a long story, but I'm actually not related to any Blackburns. (laughs) Actually, I mean, no, that's false. I, I am related to one Blackburn, but I'm not I'm not related to the majority of the Blackburns it's, in my family. And that's a long story, too. <laughs> I love it. I love a long story. <laughs> well, it's great to meet you. Uh, we've never really talked before, but I know about you as far as I think I've seen your name on the... Uh, record company, musician, and engineers page. Uh, I've seen your name come up um, from uh, some things that have come across uh, my social media on Club Passim as well, I believe. And um, yeah, so I I heard about you and I was like, um, oh, and uh, Ella McDonald as well. I think yeah, I know Ella McDonald. Well. We work together at Club Pass Seam. I'm about to start producing their album. Yeah, that's I'm awesome. So excited for that. Yeah, so uh, so I was like, I just have to talk to you. So here we are. Tell me a little bit about yourself. What are you? What are you? Who are you? And what do you do? Who am I? Um, well, I am an audio engineer. I guess I'm gonna say that I'm a producer now too. There was a long time where I was like, I don't wanna do it. I just wanna write songs and be an engineer. And then I've been producing some projects that have been a lot of fun. Um, so that as well. Um, and then I'm also a singer songwriter and like perform throughout the Bostonish area. Um, I didn't grow up around here. I went to Berkeley um and then graduated and started doing studio work and now i'm here so yeah in your audio engineering do you do you have like a studio that you work out of or do you record uh people at home or what what kind of is the situation there so i've done a little bit of everything i don't have like a main studio that i work out of for most projects right now i think it's like depended from project to project i have done a lot of audio engineering at Plaid Dog Recording in Waltham. That's where I actually like kind of first started doing work. I like started as an intern there in 2020 and like a lot of the foundations of what I know I did there. Um, and I'm still a staff engineer there, but I like kind of just am fully freelancing now. Like the main thing I do is freelancing. Um, but I've done some projects out of the Record Co. I've done some like DIY stuff in like <laughs> various basements and things like that. Um, and I've done some stuff where I've done like little bits at Plot Dog as well um, and have engineered a bunch of stuff there um, over the past couple of years. So, yeah, that's great. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about like how you kind of came into all of this. What was your background like, you know, like when you were younger, um, when you were just kind of like, were you just always a musician or did, were you a musician and you kind of like wanted to record your own stuff? Like, how did you start doing all of that? Well, like, as, like, a small kid, I was STEM nerd singer, which kind of just, like, tracks to where I'm at now. 
Um, like I grew up and for a long time I was like, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to do mechanical engineering, but you would always catch me singing in every opportunity that I could sing in anything ever. Um, and then in high school, I was like ready to like do all this. I was in robotics competitions and stuff in like middle school. And I was like, I'm going to code and I'm going to build things. and It's going to be great. And I started high school and I was in this like intro to like mechanical engineering physics class. And I just really hated the teacher. And I was like, <laughs> I want to do an art. So I joined choir. And after I joined the choir, I ended up doing that for like all my four years and like dove really deep into it and was like, I'm going to go be a classical singer. So I did a lot of classical college auditions. Oh, wow. I And then I also auditioned for Berkeley. And I got into Berkeley and I was like, well, I want to do that. <laughs> so I came into Berkeley, like not really knowing what I wanted to do. But audio just kind of made the most sense for me because I like, even though I'm like very creative and like love to sing, I, um, I feel like I'm very left brain oriented and I wanted something that felt a little bit more structured and majored in audio and have just been doing it since. So that's awesome. So yeah. are you saying that you're kind of like, um, your affinity for audio engineering and recording kind of blossomed when you were in college? It didn't happen before then? I didn't really know much about audio before I went to college. Like I remember I first, my first year of college was actually in Spain. I did like a first year abroad program in Valencia and I was like walking to campus and I was telling someone like, oh yeah, I'm interested in doing the music production and engineering major. And this kid was like, what's your favorite DAW? And I looked at him like, I don't know what that is. I just want to record things. That's awesome. Um, but I started off there in this mentorship um, with the program She Knows Tech. And my mentor was Marcella Rado, who's an amazing engineer. Yeah, she's great. And she taught me like the very beginning, beginning stuff, like what is a microphone? And I was like, oh, this is sick. And then like I applied for the major and got in and was just like very quickly like, oh, I enjoy this um, <laughs> and just kind of rolled with it since then. It felt like a really good combination of like creativity and technical that like clicked in my brain. Yeah. Um, I think I struggled with producing for a while because I was in, I felt like I didn't like the same music as a lot of the people in my program. Like my first semester, I was in this class and like we had to like do like a producer, like do a presentation on a producer you like. And everyone picked like top 40 producers, like a Max Martin person. And then like just back to back to back. And I go up and like my presentation was like, Will Yip is an emo god. And I put on title fight. <laughs> and like everybody <laughs> was like making their beats. And I was like, I don't want to make beats. So it was like I felt like I was disconnected from what other producers were doing in my space. But when I realized that it was just kind of like being able to connect all of the things and it could be whatever I want it to be. Yeah, definitely. It, it, yeah. <laughs> A lot of people struggle with that self-confidence, uh, even if they've been doing this for a long time. How did you kind of bridge that gap to the point where you are now where you're just like, okay, I'm making the decision that I'm just going to put myself out there and this is what I'm going to be. I mean, I'm not fully confident to make that so crystal clear, but I think I had to come to an acceptance that like 
making art and music is inherently vulnerable and like people don't people will not always like every idea i have and that's okay and like if the people that i'm working with are on the same page about it it like like just making it a space that i feel like is collaborative without feeling there's a right way to do things and i think when i was at berkeley that was not the case because it felt like there was a right way to do things like it was a great like it was the this is how we want you to do things and then after that um i don't know i felt like everything the, the the bar was high and it was almost like too high that i felt like i wasn't giving myself the space to like experiment and let that happen so i guess it was just like in summary, like acceptance of music is inherently vulnerable and like people are gonna have a variety of ideas and opinions about it. And like my ideas aren't bad ideas, even if they're not always the right idea for a project. I also think I also just was very lucky to do a lot of engineering for quite a bit of time. Like when I first started at Plat Dog, like I was my schedule was crazy. I was doing like Berkeley sessions, plaid dog sessions, record go sessions back to back to back. So I like did a lot of engineering pretty quickly that kind of like was like dive deep in that I was, I, I feel like I have more of the portfolio and practice to back what I'm doing than in the beginning when I was like, I just actually don't know. And I am accepting being a beginner at things. Um, <laughs> What advice would you give people who are aspiring to be kind of where you are? What is what are some things that you wish you kind of knew first that you didn't know through the process? I think I was very fortunate to have a lot of really good mentors. And I think that that is critical. Like, I think that when I was in college, it was really hard because, or at least this would be the advice for people in that kind of space. It was really hard because it felt like a lot of the audio learning spaces were showing off how much you know. And the mentorships that I had did not feel like that. It felt like, let me guide you through this. And I don't think that I would be in the same place without them. Like the She Knows Tech mentorship, the like guidance that I had when I first started engineering at Plaid Dog, um, and having a lot of close friends that were also in similar spaces as me to talk through situations and such. Like, I think having people to guide you is really important. I think asking questions is so important, even though it's so like scary, at least it was in the spaces that I was in. For me, there was a time when I was like, every project I have to do is perfect. And like, everyone has to have like a good perception of me all of the time. And the reality is just like, that's just not gonna happen. But if I show up and do my best and like give 100% on a project in the long run, it pays off. Like, I I don't know, I, I, I just jumped head first into all of it, like doing live sound, recording, mixing, mastering. It was just like, if you ask me to do it, I'm gonna figure out how to do it. And um, with that, I think I was able to figure out what I like and don't like very early. And all of that was very helpful for me. But having people alongside with me really helped a lot to help me understand where my place was and like how to advocate for myself and like what experiences, um, I don't know, with clients or <laughs> normal and outlandish and things like that. Yeah. No, I totally agree with you. I think that mentorships are very important. And not only with people who are like, 
you know, like masters or, or whatever, or like well-known people. I think that anyone who has really been able to carve out a creative life for themselves or have been in the, uh, you know, the theater of psychological warfare that the recording studio can be sometimes somebody who has just like been able to solve problems in a creative environment, uh, and who's, who have been able to deal with, you know, different personalities and, and things like that. And just seem to like persevere year after year. I think that there's a lot of value in the experience that those people have. Can you tell me about a situation or maybe you have an anecdote about your own experience working with mentors? Yeah. Um, I love Susan Rogers. Susan Rogers was my last professor that I had in college. And like, she wasn't quite a mentor um, in the way that other people were like alongside me in every step of the way. But like, I still speak with her and like, I, um, just like really connected with her in college and she did this lecture and it was about like basically just about like knowing what you want to do and um she was talking about like the different like archetypes of people and things and i was so irritated because she was like reading me so well as like an engineer um but she was talking about like where do you want to be like where do you want to see yourself in 10 20 30 years and all of those things and she was like there's going to be things along the way that are going to be shiny and that are going to feel like a thing up, but it's not necessarily going to be aligned with what you want to do. And it's going to suck to get rid of them. But in the long run, if you take like things that don't deter you away from where you're wanting to go and you know that, um, you'll end up closer to where you want to be. And sometimes you realize that those things that are deterring you are actually pulling you more in a direction that you want to be and you didn't know that when you first started and if that's the case like you can deter but there was a time for me where i was like right out of college and it felt really scary to say no to opportunities when i didn't know anything um like i could have been working full-time at plaid dog the studio i'm at now and i rejected that and i felt like so crazy for that because i was like what like you just graduated college like you should be taking this but i was like i don't want to produce and i really didn't want to produce then and i really wanted to learn more about engineering and i also would have been taking on projects then that were like just like anything and like not things that i wanted to that i was going to choose and i don't think i would have enjoyed producing now in the way that I do, if it wasn't a like choice that I made that I actually felt like I wanted to do. And like with that, I think the point that I'm getting from Susan is just like her lecture was all about really knowing what you want to do and making choices that align with that and it being harder than you expect, but worth it. And I'm really grateful for that because like a couple years ago when I rejected that opportunity, I felt whole crazy for that and now i'm in a spot where like i know so much about live sound that i wouldn't have known because i had to just jump into it feeling dumb and like learn and i have done more engineering work that way and have ended up really enjoying producing now and i think being able to make choices that felt like actually grounded in what i wanted at the time helps me have more fun now so yeah yeah, that's incredible insight. Um, 
because when you are young and you're just starting out in this industry, it's really hard to make those decisions, especially when you have so much opportunity around you. Uh, you're going to a place like Berkeley and there's, you know, stuff that's happening every day. And you've got like these professors who like are literally titans of our industry in, in so many ways. It's, I'm, I imagine it can be quite overwhelming and difficult, especially, you know, like coming up in a place like Berkeley where there's so much talent. That was hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Um, but yeah, that's a really great point, especially for people who are just kind of trying to find their way and might be a little lost because they don't want to make the wrong decision. But, you know, listen to your heart. Tell me a little bit more about what you're doing now. Um, how, how can people reach you who want to work with you or find out more about you? Um, I mean, the best place to reach me would probably be my website, my email. There's like a contact on there. Um, I'm also pretty active on Instagram, but my, my hunch is that people use Instagram like email and I don't love that for anyone involved, <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I'm on all of the things. So like, Facebook, Instagram. Um, I'm uh, hoping to put out my own music, a single in the top of the year, which is exciting. I have been doing so much engineering and people always ask where to find me on that end. And I'm like, well, there's some YouTube videos. Um, so I'm hoping to add that to my things of things that you can find about me. Um, but a lot of my engineering work is on my website, kaylablackburn.com. And what is your Instagram? Kayla.Blackburn. Do you have any exciting sessions or anything coming up soon? Is there anybody that you're excited to work with? I have a couple things that are coming up that I'm excited about. I am working on Ella McDonald's album. I'm producing and engineering that. So we're coordinating all of that starting in January. And then I am also engineering Thunvi Shaw's EP and um, we're working on coordinating those sessions for the top of the year as well. I'm trying to think if there's other things that I'm working on. I have a lot <laughs> coming up. I've been working on this EP for this artist named Chris Burns for a bit. Um, I am like singing some vocals on some of the tracks too. They're like all songs that he wrote and they're gorgeous, like folky songs. And then, yeah, I'm also hoping to put out a single around the top of the year. But yeah, I have a bunch of stuff on my radar that I'm very excited about. I feel very lucky that I'm about to be like working on a bunch of projects in January, February and all of that, especially because I do a lot of live sound as well. And live sound is pretty dead in that time. Um, so it's a nice trade off of my schedule. Um, and I'm also just super excited about all the music that I'm working on, which is awesome. That's great. It sounds like 2024 is going to start off being a very good year for you, Kayla. Yeah. What do you think are some things that set you apart from other engineers in in the way of dealing with clients? Yeah. I mean, I think, first of all, as an artist as well, it's really nice to feel like I can relate with artists and what their what headspace they're in when they're in the studio. Cause like, I also write music. I also have sat there and tried to record things and like have all my millions of thoughts. And I think it's really nice to work with someone who 
understands that headspace. I also think that when I've worked with other like women and people of color, they've had a gratitude of having someone that either one understands what they're writing about. Like I've worked with like some black artists that are like, I'm like glad that like you, you hear these lyrics and you understand what I'm singing about. And um, also I've worked with women that have just been like, I've had a subpar shitty experience in the studio with that like i'm very grateful to be in the space and like be that person um for people i think sometimes that can be a little difficult because i'm like i don't know like i'm just here to engineer like i'm just here to do a job <laughs> it's not about all of that and i found that some of the spaces that i've like actually felt more the most included is when people saw me as just that kayla who happens to engineer here and not kayla the young 20 something black girl um but i'm really grateful to be a person for a lot of people that makes them feel safe and i'm really grateful to do the work that i do because the number one thing is i'm like yeah like i just want to be the, the engineer in the room and that's that um so yeah yeah representation is very important in our recording community and i hope that as long as you've been here that you've seen a marked improvement in access to those spaces have you seen a lot of other engineers like yourself or with your background or have you seen studios in the area hold space for engineers and producers like yourself like more than maybe when you first started out i have not seen a lot of people specifically like me honestly because i have seen more men of color and i have seen um women but not many women of color and i think in that space it actually it has even been a little bit harder for them to make space for me because they don't feel like they're there's much space for themselves like it feels very it honestly feels a little icky <laughs> and the people that i have been the most i actually feel included by have been people that have worked in fields for a while and don't and already feel re represented um which is like a complicated thing to say because i always want to really support everyone in these spaces and make sure they all feel uplifted and i also have unfortunately not always been supported by people who share some of the same marginalized identities as me but i have seen an increase in the ways that people try to support me, which is awesome. Yeah, I would love to say there was more people who look like me, but like in my major at Berkeley, the whole time I was there, there was one other black girl. In all of my time doing live sound, the first time that I saw another black woman on the board or actually even as like an A2 was when I was working the NAACP convention. <laughs> so like with that, it is rare. I'm just grateful for spaces that I feel like I can feel welcome and do the work that I do. I think some of the things that I do are like conscious choices. Like as like a, as a singer songwriter, I'm in like indie folk spaces and like country folk spaces are also not a whole bunch of people who look like me. I have to say there's probably more in that regard, which is cool. Like it's an aside from the audio part, but it is cool. Like I'll open Instagram and see some black girl singing her cowboy song. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> um, but as far as audio, I feel very lucky to feel welcomed in a lot of spaces, but I do think that representation still has a long way to go. Yeah. 
Unfortunately, I have to agree with you. Uh, I, I do think that it has gotten better in the last decade, especially with places like the Record Co. You know, there's this place in the middle of Boston where anybody can go in and make a record or produce music. Um, but, you know, the thing that's frustrating about that is there's a lot of people out there who have that talent and drive and somehow they don't know that that's accessible to them. They don't know that it's there. Uh, and we need to do better as a recording community to, you know, make that space available and accessible to everyone and, and tell them about it. I mean, for people who have talent and drive to not know that something like that exists in their community has got to be so frustrating. It is frustrating, but like in the same regard, I am really grateful that, I feel like there's a space for me now um, that I will say um, like and I think a lot of the work that I do also feels accessible, which is awesome. Like I think as a freelancer, I can kind of set my own schedule and my own boundaries and my own everything, uh, which is scary, but like really wonderful when I work with clients and people that are like understanding of like my needs and limits as a human being um on top of all the identities and things like i um have a disability and well a couple and it's like i am able to navigate the world in a way that i'm incredibly grateful to have the privilege that that's invisible and for most of the days i can just go about as normal but i can't also be the computer you know like get me that bounce in like the next <laughs> 20 minutes <laughs> like i can't i can't do that and in a way like having real tangible physical limits allows me to set better boundaries for myself as a human regardless and being able to freelance allows me to set those limits for myself. And some of the most accessible work is the work that I enjoy the most where I'm like sitting at home mixing. And right. that's so awesome. Thank you so much to Kayla Blackburn for being my guest this week. If you'd like to find her online, you can do so at kaylablackburn.com or on Instagram at kayla.blackburn. She will be co-hosting the Anyone Can Demo Workshop alongside Jeff Butcher and Leah Taub. If you'd like more information about that, you can go to milesofmusiccamp.com forward slash online hyphen workshops.